Hey everybody, it's Andy. Welcome or welcome back to the Decatur City Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, we would love it if you would take just a moment to download the Decatur City Church app where you can find access to all of our recent message content. And the app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend. But most importantly, I hope you enjoy the following presentation and I hope it inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Yeah, I think you can. Uh, I think you can see why this is easily one of my favorite days of the whole year. Hopefully, it's uh, one of yours as well. It's, it's so awesome to get together to just celebrate uh, all that you have done, like in this community, the the amount that you have given, that you have served, that you have loved this community and this this city, and honestly, the, the whole world. It's just, it is fantastic. And if you're new here, I know you probably walked in and you're like, "Be rich." Like, what is all this about? Like, is this like a wealth accumulation strategy? Is this some like prosperity gospel? And uh, I think you're quickly realizing it's like the exact opposite of that, right? Like you saw the, the scripture verse a second ago, like it actually comes from a passage in the New Testament where this pastor like encourages this brand new church that has no money, no time, no resources. They don't feel like they have any talent. And th- th- this pastor just encourages them to like, hey, Go be rich in the city in which you live. Go be rich in good deeds and in kindness and in love. And if you're going to be rich in anything, be rich in your generosity. And uh, they took that to heart, and this movement spread all over the world. And this people that you're sitting around, they embody that as well. They take that call to action to heart. And I absolutely love this season. And so we're going to celebrate a lot. You got to uh, see us celebrate some organizations from kind of here in Georgia, but also around the world. And then now, in just a moment, we're going to celebrate some things that you have done here locally. Uh, But before we get to that, before we get to these great organizations that you have helped, I mean, honestly, you have helped them do what they do. You've helped them go further, faster. But um, I want us to do something just a little bit different. I want us to take just a moment to shift the focus off of the organizations for a second. I want us to focus on the people that you and I get a chance to serve every year through Be Rich. Because I think one of the things that's um, dangerous about this season for us is I think it becomes really easy to kind of gloss over all this and to kind of make it a little bit prettier than it, than it actually is and to kind of forget exactly what this season is all about. I mean, you see the fancy highlight reels. In a minute, you're going to see some really big numbers with a lot of zeros after commas. And it's so impressive and it's so easy to simply think about the organization, right? Like in a lot of ways, I think it is easier to think about just the organizations that we're helping. I mean, I even said it like, hey, we want to help organizations go further faster. And that's a ton of what we do. But the reason we do that is because we want to shine a big spotlight on people, on individuals, because we believe that individuals and that people matter. And what's so unique about these organizations that we get to partner with and that you get to help is that so rarely do they think about organization, right? Like that's not why they got into this. They don't think about spreadsheets and budgets and charts and things being up and to the right and all of this, this growth and stuff like that's important. That's the mechanism that drives what they do. But mainly, I mean, like 99% of the time they think about people. I mean, they're confronted with the reality of people. And I mean, I'm talking like the real gross, messy reality of people, like the brokenness of people, hurting of people. They sit with people in the midst of stories that you and I can't even imagine. They sit with people in the midst of stories that are not the story they wanted for their family, not the story they wanted for their life. They sit in the mess. They run towards the mess. They run towards the hurting. And it's so 
remarkable. And I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but I think there's this thing in our culture that, that kind of convinces us not to do that. Like, I don't know if you've ever noticed, but like nobody ever um, floods my Instagram account, like trying to get me to buy some fancy winter coat with uh, images of people who are hurting and who are cold and who actually need a coat, right? Like they're, they're actually using beautiful people, attractive people, people that we wanna emulate and be like, people that are probably hot on some photo shoot and don't even need the coat. Like there's not a restaurant in Atlanta that like tries to advertise their great meal by showing you images of somebody eating their food who's homeless, somebody who needs the food, somebody who's actually starving. And I think this speaks to this tension that exists in our society. Like it's, it's this tension that, that kind of rises up in all of us that we don't like to acknowledge, that we don't like to think about that it actually exists. But I think there's this thing in culture and in society, like it kind of makes us uncomfortable to see people uncomfortable. Like it makes us uncomfortable to think about the fact that maybe we could be uncomfortable. To think about that there are people who are out there that are uncomfortable, whose life did not turn out the way they wanted their life to turn out, whose life they would say like, hey, my life isn't working so well. My life kind of feels messy. My life kind of feels broken. And it makes us uncomfortable to acknowledge that that's a reality of our society. And I think part of why it makes us uncomfortable is because I think deep down, we realize that we're supposed to be part of the solution. Like deep down, we realize we're supposed to help. Like deep down, we realize that maybe, just maybe we're supposed to do something to run towards people's messes. Like not just help organizations, but actually help people. And we know this when we're the mess, right? Like when our life isn't going well, like the first thing we wanna do is we wanna involve people in our lives, right? Like we call our friends, we call our parents, we call our family, we call our small group, we call all the people we know and say, hey, enter into my mess with me, like help me walk with me through this. But then once things start to get back together, like we like to go back to pretending like everything's okay. Like we like to go back to pretending that we're surrounded by perfect people living in these like perfect communities, right? We, we like to kind of distance ourselves from the mess. Yet, if you spend any time at all in the collection of books that make up our New Testament, like these letters that were written to churches thousands of years ago, one of the things that you quickly, quickly come to realize is that the people who spent the most time with Jesus and that the people who Jesus wanted to spend the most time with were the people who didn't have it all together. They were the people whose lives were broken, the people whose stories were not going well, the people who would say were hurting. In fact, James, the brother of Jesus, who founded the first like Jesus church, like the first Christian church in Jerusalem, James would say, hey, if you wanna be a church that, that represents Jesus, if you wanna be a church that, that embodies this thing that Jesus lived and died for, then you're gonna be a group of people who run towards those who are hurting. You're gonna run towards those who would say, my life isn't turning out the way I thought it would. You're gonna run towards the broken. And James would write letters to, to, his, to his church and to different churches all over. And, and it was so scandalous, the things he said, like it made people so uncomfortable. And the reality is some of what he said still makes us uncomfortable today. In fact, one of the things he said, I think really challenges us, but also when I look at you, it encourages me because I feel like so many of you Get this. But before I read it, I gotta give you a little bit of context. You gotta understand that the, the, the community that James was writing to was more socially segregated than anything any of us have ever, ever experienced. It, it was so socially segregated, it's almost hard to fathom for us. He wrote to a society that basically, like, however you were born, that's how you were gonna die. And everybody thought it was perfect, especially for those who it worked well for. In other words, like, if you were born rich and powerful, 
well, then you were gonna die rich and powerful and there was nothing that anybody could do to break that system. There was nothing that anybody could do to take that away from you. On the other hand, if you were born poor and, and sick and, and broken, you were going to die poor and sick and broken. And, and however you were born determined the value that you had and it determined the status that you had. And then Jesus came along, the brother of James, and Jesus turned that whole thing upside down. He said, no, 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 no. The value of a person is not how they're born. The value of a person is that they were born. The value of a person is that, is that God created them, that God made them, that God sees them just the way they are, and he meets them right where they are. And if you're going to be a church that represents Jesus, then you've got to be a church that values those things that Jesus does. And James wrote this to one of those churches, and he said this. He said, hey, pure and genuine religion. You could substitute the word faith. Pure and genuine faith in the sight of God the Father means. And everybody knew how he was going to finish that sentence because everybody knew how they were brought up. Basically, what they understood was that pure and genuine religion or pure and genuine faith in the sight of God meant keeping the Ten Commandments. It meant fully following the law of God. It meant like some kind of sacrificial system. It meant giving a certain amount of money. It meant living a certain way. It meant obeying all the rules. It meant keeping the right people in and keeping the wrong people out. Only James flips it completely upside down and he says, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows and their distress. And it means refusing to let the world corrupt you. And I love this because I don't think James is just saying, hey, the only thing we're supposed to do is take care of widows and orphans. I think he's actually taking what was considered the worst in that society and shining a light on that so that it would cover all their categories of people. You see, in that society and in that day and age, if you found yourself widowed or you found yourself orphaned, some historians would say that was the equivalent of a death sentence. Like there were not two worst categories of people in that society's mind. Because if you were widowed, all of a sudden, you were gonna be a drag on society. You were gonna be a burden forever. You were never going to get out of that. It would honestly be better for you if you just didn't exist. If you found yourself orphaned, it might've been because you were the wrong gender or not what your parents wanted or there was something wrong with you and your parents threw you out and there was no way for you to overcome that. And so it was just better that you didn't exist. And James says, no, no, no. If you wanna know what pure faith looks like, you want to know what it really looks like to love the Father in heaven who loves you? It means running towards people like widows and orphans and doing whatever you can for them in their time of distress. And he would cap it off and say, hey, and in this, do not allow the world to corrupt you. And it's so easy for those of us who grew up in church, like you probably had a youth pastor who actually quoted this passage and that's what they used to convince you that you're not supposed to, you know, drink, smoke, chew, or date girls that do, right? Like, that's just like, like, don't go to R-rated movies. Don't be corrupted by the world. Don't let it happen to you. And that's not what James is saying at all. Like, it's so obvious what James is getting at. He's saying, hey, the world doesn't do this well. The world would tell you not to value widows and orphans. The world would tell you not to value those who are in distress. The world would tell you to take care of yourself. But come on, don't let the world corrupt you. Don't be like culture. Be better than that. Be different than that. Be rich in good deeds and in generosity and kindness towards those who could never be rich towards you, towards those who could never repay you. And so the thing I love about this Be Rich season is this is a time of year when we take this so incredibly seriously. Not so that we can like just put a check in a box and say like, hey, we did that and so we're good. Now we can just go back to business as usual and we can get back together. No, no, no. The reason we take this so seriously 
The reason we, we like emphasize this for such a long period of time right here at such a vital part of the year is because we want this to impact us for the rest of the year. We want to introduce you to something. We want to introduce our church to something. We want to introduce our community to something that we take so seriously that it becomes a way of life for us throughout the rest of life. So what we do is we literally, as a network of churches, we come together and we literally stop everything else that we're doing. We shift our focus away from spreadsheets and budgets and attendance trends and first-time guests and how are we doing and what's the P&L saying and how can we get more in Wamba Land and what do we have to do to make more space in Upstreet and what cool thing can we do for students? And those are all great things, but we take all the focus off of those things and we place this huge focus on people. And we make this conscious effort to sidestep this idea that this is just a room filled with perfect people who live in a community that are filled with perfect people and that everything's good and if we don't look hard enough, we won't find any problems. And instead, we shine this huge intentional spotlight on all the needs in our community. And then we take what we have as a group of churches and we leverage what we have in order to help. Like we shine this huge light on all the problems that we can find and all the messes that we can find on all the people who are saying, hey, I really need help. I need somebody to pay attention to me. And we say, hey, how can we leverage what we have so that we can do something phenomenal and something so generous that it would change people's lives? And one of the reasons I love being a part of this church and one of the reasons I'm so proud to be here is because you guys take that call so seriously. Like we did this once and it has just grown and grown and grown and you guys show up year in and year out. You never get tired of this. It never gets old. You take it so seriously. And, and for, for me, like the last two years, it would have been so easy for you to phone it in. Like it would have been so easy to focus on yourself. Like, come on, I don't know anybody who would go, I'm like really crushing it right now in life. Like, like I just feel like life is going my way. I am thriving. Like, I don't know anybody doing that. Like everybody has some type of struggle, right? and yet you've still taken this seriously. You have gone above and beyond to make sure that other people are taken care of and that they are the focus so that their lives can be turned around. And so today, this is cool. Today, we're just gonna celebrate. Today, we're gonna take a moment right here at our service and we're just gonna pour out some generosity on some incredible organizations in our community who are actively working to focus on the people and the problems that so much of our culture would say, hey, don't pay attention to that. Hey, pretend like that's not happening. Hey, I don't know that those are problems worth solving. And it's all because of you. And so I want you to do something for me today. In just a second, I want you to put your hands together uh, for two people from the Decatur Education Foundation. I wanna introduce you to Gail and Leah Humphrey. So you guys cheer for them as they come to the stage. Hey, y'all, how are you? Thank you so much. I'll hand you that. Thank you so much for being with us today. Um, if you're not familiar, hey, you guys come closer. It's fine. Uh, if you're not familiar, uh, Decatur Education Foundation supports City Schools of Decatur. And I know what you're thinking. It's, like, it's so easy to look at City of Decatur, right? And think like, hey, that's an amazing school system. Cost of living there is so crazy high. Like, how could they have any problems? And if you're thinking that, I get it, but you could not be further from the truth. Um, what these guys do and what their organization does, it's so remarkable. See, there's this huge equity gap that exists in the city of Decatur. It, is, it exists between racial lines and gender lines. And they are working to say, hey, how can we solve 
that problem? How can we make sure every single student has the opportunity to be successful, uh, whether it be behaviorally, whether it be in education, whatever it is, they wanna make sure everybody has the opportunity to be successful. And you're doing a fantastic job of it, by the way. And so we love to come along beside them and we love to give them big gifts to help them with things like behavioral health services so that they can help students be successful. So thank you guys so much on behalf of these people for doing what you do. Give it up for them, go on. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I love, love, love the Be Rich campaign for all the reasons that Tensley shared. Um, Decatur Education Foundation is celebrating its 20th year and just like Decatur City, we truly believe in the power of community to solve problems. Uh, you are a great example of that and the foundation really is a community of people. Our mission is to connect people, resources and ideas to solve the problems facing our kids today. And with the pandemic, with the 18 months that we have all been through and the languishing, um, you know, the best of us are just languishing and the worst is much worse than that. We have seen um, so much in the mental health arena and so many students in need of help. There's so much social isolation. Before the pandemic, adolescents were facing huge mental health challenges and our schools just are a place where our kids are and they can't do it alone. They really need the community to step up. And so this gift allows us to serve um, so many students. And I got a few stats when I met with the director of the student center with the generosity of Be Rich in past years and with our whole community, we were able to put a Decatur Student Center in the high school. This is a place where all students can get support um, to really get rid of the stigma of getting your mental health support. Make sure when you need um, help, you can get it. We do things like fund um, trainings for suicide intervention. Tragically, we've lost several students to suicide in just the past year. Um, and so we want to make sure that never, ever happens again. Our fund, our behavioral health fund, was started by a mom who lost her son um, through his battle with addiction. So now we pay for counselors that specialize in substance misuse. So students in dur during school don't have to go outside of school. They can get help right there during the school day. These funds are to expand that to the middle school, where we're seeing all the risk behaviors um, are really increasing at the middle school level. And so... The initiative will go all the way to K-12, but right now we're really focused on those middle years because the pandemic just exacerbated all of the struggles that our kids have. So again, individuals are behind the numbers and this um, gift will allow individual students to go get help. In the old days, my husband's a teacher, in the old days when a student had a panic attack in his social studies class, he had to send him to the bathroom or to the nurse's office, and now that student can just get a pass and take herself to the Zen Den, chill out, have a moment, and also talk to a counselor. So it's a different world, um, and it's the world we want to create for our children. So thank you, Tensley. Thank, thank you to all of you. It's just truly an amazing campaign, and we couldn't be more thrilled. Hope to update you on all the good that you're doing. Oh, well, um, thank you. Thank you so much. It is much. so fun to get to partner with you guys. You guys give them a hand one more time. Thank you guys so much for being with us. And while you're clapping, I'd love for you to keep clapping for another organization as they make their way. Friends of Refugees here in Clarkson. You guys cheer for Kendra Jeffries and Susan McDaniel. So if you have been around uh, with us anytime at all, you know a little bit about this organization. You guys are doing some great work over in Clarkson. We love the Thank opportunity you. to get to work with you guys. Um, 
their name is very self-explanatory as to what they do, but basically the thing I love about you guys is, is what they do is they take a group of people, right, that have become so politicized, both on both sides of the aisle, like, and say, hey, this isn't a political issue, this is a people issue. These are, these are real people who are literally just seeking the things that so many of us take for granted, things like safety and security and, and the understanding that they have an opportunity to thrive. And you guys are just shining a huge light on that and helping a great, great group of people. And we wanna help you do that. So here is a huge gift from these people to fund teacher salaries this year to do that. So I guess they liked it, so there you go. <laughs> Wow. Um, That's awesome. Thank you uh, very absolutely. much. <laughs> Gather ourselves. Um, and I just wanted to echo what was said earlier. This is such a huge model of generosity. And so thank you so much. When I think of the Be Rich campaign, it's not just money, it's time. And in the past years, volunteers from Be Rich have helped us in so many ways with facility improvement, with helping with our garden. And this is going to have a huge impact because if you've been reading the news, you realize that we are expecting about 10 times the number of refugees this year than what we received two years ago. And one of the biggest barriers, as you can imagine, coming to a new country is not knowing the language. Imagine looking for a job, trying to go to the grocery store, any of those things, not knowing English. So this very generous gift is helping fund expanding capacity for teachers and our refugee family literacy program. And we have a really unique approach in that program because we take mothers who have children who are from ages zero to five, and not only do we teach them English, the mothers, we also teach them literacy skills for their children. So it's also, it's a dual language program. So you're not just impacting awesome. one generation, you're impacting multiple generations. So thank you so much. Um, we have more opportunities to volunteer. If you're interested, please let us know. <laughs> but this, um, you guys are literally transforming lives. Oh, well, thank you. So thank you very much. Thank you, guys. Give it up for them one more time. You guys are remarkable. It's so fun to work with them. And uh, then lastly, I'd love for you to keep the applause going for one of our oldest, I think our very first partner that we ever had. This is um, our house over in Decatur. So you guys give Diane Douglas a big hand as she makes her way. I am gonna hand the mic to you. Diane, thank you so much for being with us. We are so glad you're here. If you're unfamiliar, Our House is a really cool organization. Um, and Diane can tell you a little bit more about what all they do. But, uh, but one of the things they do is that they meet single homeless mothers right where they are. Um, and they provide housing, they provide education, they provide job training uh, to break the cycle of homelessness, not just to like solve that problem for that night, but to say, hey, like we wanna break this cycle and we wanna make sure that nobody has to live homeless, especially not mothers with their kids. And it's so fun to get to work with you guys. In fact, I have a check for you for mental health training to help these moms. So could you tell us a little bit about how this will work? Sure. Um, first, I just want to say thank you on behalf of all of the children, the babies, the children and families that we serve at our house. The families that we serve are all experiencing homelessness. And as you know, this past year, um, saw people that were never expecting to um, face homelessness. They're now facing homelessness. But because of the support from you, your, your generosity, um, we were able to 
make whatever changes we needed to make to um, stand in the gap. And so that was all done really with your help. And so we really want to thank you. Absolutely. Um, and as you know, mental health challenges are some of the issues that create um, homelessness. It's not laziness. It's not a lot of things that people think of when they think about homelessness. And really, the face of homeless, homelessness for our house um, is a newborn baby. You know, it looks different from what a lot of people associate with homelessness. Sorry. <laughs> they associate, um, you know, someone on the street that's begging. Um, it looks a lot different for us. Yeah. And so um, we just thank you for all that you're doing to help us to meet those mental health needs. Absolutely. If you haven't gotten a chance to go over to our house, it's a phenomenal facility. I really, really encourage it. But um, before you go, Diane wasn't able to be with us in the first service. So all of these organizations got another check in the first service. So why don't we give you another check as well for competitive wage support for your staff? <laughs> Thank you. So, how fun is that? Thank you. Thank you. Oh, wow. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, and I kind of mentioned when I first, mm -hmm. when I first um, came, they asked, Tinsley asked, how's everything going? And I said, you know, Everything is pretty good, but one of the issues is, um, you know, we have a, a hard time keeping staff. I'm sure you can imagine teachers um, have a difficult challenge every day. We work with a population of children that create even greater challenges for teachers. And so to be able to um, provide competitive wages to our teachers is really important. And so we thank you for that. Absolutely. And we thank all of you for that. Yeah. Thank you so much for being with us. Thanks. Absolutely. Thanks. And that's just like a small snapshot of what your generosity has done. I encourage you to head to our website and you can check out all of the difference that your generosity has made because it truly, truly is remarkable um, what you have been able to do here both locally um, throughout our state and then ultimately throughout the country and the world. In fact, with that in mind, I know one of the things you would love to know is what is the collective impact of our whole organization. So I'd love for you to turn your attention to the screen and uh, we'll keep the celebration going. <laughs> 